Thank you for joining Cyber Center of Excellence for Cyber Insiders. This 10-part series features a star-studded lineup of San Diego business leaders from various industries who will share their biggest challenges and lessons learned when facing cybersecurity threats. If the pandemic taught us anything, no sector is spared from these costly breaches. New challenges increased by remote working and the global shortage of qualified cybersecurity professionals presents critical security issues for companies large and small. We'll hear insights and lessons learned from thought leaders in some of the region's key sectors, starting with defense, maritime, life sciences, education, and more that will help all companies better prepare for the systemic risk. Welcome back to Cyber Insiders. Today's episode, we're very excited to bring on Gary Hayslip, CISO from SoftBank Investment Advisors, to talk through a lot of the cybersecurity challenges that impact the financial services space. And as someone who's worked in this space for over 20 years myself, there is no shortage of talking points and topics that we could run through today. So Gary, really excited to have you on the program. Thanks again. Um, if you wouldn't mind just for our listeners, giving a kind of an overview of your background um, and what you're doing at SoftBank as well. Sure. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I've, I've been in cyber and in IT, basically technology for, you know, 20 plus years. Uh, currently at at SoftBank, we're a, a large private equity, um, you know, uh, fund. Um, we got vision, the Vision Fund, the Vision Fund Two, the Technology Fund, the uh, Opportunity Fund. <laughs> there's, you know, the Latam Fund. There's quite a few funds. I'm the uh, I'm the CISO across all of them, and um, you know, very active in the in the tech space, in the cyberspace, in financial services, and you know, I spend not just doing operational cyber, but also. Um, assisting our 400 plus portfolio companies and also assisting the deals teams with due diligence. So it's a wide range of managing risk, you know, in the security community. And as you mentioned, I mean, I'm here at SoftBank, but prior to that, I was uh, at WebRoot and then at the city of San Diego for about four years and then, you know, with the U.S. Navy. So I've you know had a wide range of uh, experience in cybersecurity and in IT. Appreciate that, and I think Gary, we're gonna we're gonna jump right in here to um, really kind of what's been going on in the in the financial services space for sure. Um, you know, as you know, the industry is always the target of financially driven and malicious um, activity. So last year, about half of financial services firms were the victim of at least one ransomware attack um, as well. And so there's there's various reports out there. According to Sophos's state of ransomware attack, um, that was 62% rise in threats just in one year. I would imagine sort of the remote work pandemic likely exacerbated some of that. So knowing all of that data, what are you seeing as the key threats that impact this critical industry um, that really all companies should have on the radar? Well, I mean, when you, when you really think about it in the financial services you know, sector, it's heavily regulated, and you would think, you know, if you worked in an industry that's heavily regulated, you would probably have less attacks, you know, or, but, you know, the cyber criminals are going to go where the money's at. You know, they're going to go where the, um, you know, the organizations that have sensitive data or critical data um, who might pay, you know, to go ahead and get that data back or to protect that data. And so, I mean, yeah, so they're going to go ahead and they're, they're basically going to target, you know, these industries. And because that they're they're regulated, you know, these you know these companies are continually 
managing their security, managing their risk, and having to you know update them and following specific frameworks and you know and and specific you know regulated guidelines. Um, so I mean, it's a um, I look at it as as a as a sector you know that is definitely not stagnant. It's very very busy. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of um, you know managing the security and risk of organizations and protecting you know their customers' data. Um, what that means to other you know people or other uh, other sectors is the fact that um, you know I look at it as whether you're very small, you know, a very small bank or a very small you know uh, cryptocurrency you know startup uh, to very large massive you know banks or organizations, we're all being attacked. You know, so it it isn't a uh, it isn't like you know we only go after the small people. It's pretty much an equal opportunity across the sector. You know, everyone is being targeted in one way or another and is being attacked. And so it's I kind of look at it as a warning for the other, you know, the other industries, the companies that are in other different sectors that, you know, don't think that you're going to be able to hide. Don't think that, you know, hey, I work over here in maybe uh, in, in, you know, an industry and manufacturing and, you know, I work with, you know, farms and vineyards and stuff like that. No, you're still going to be attacked. I mean, you know, the the thing that you find with many of the cyber criminal organizations is they're pretty much equal opportunity. They'll go after anybody um, that has data that they think that they can make money off of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there's a reason why ransomware continues to be just a huge sort of hotbed of financial activity for the the criminals. Do you, do you still see ransomware and sort of phishing attacks as kind of the the one and two, if you will, impacting financial services are there are there other threats that have popped up maybe recently i mean there's you know there's always going to be other threats you've got a you've got a lot of the supply chain issues now because the larger you get the more integrated you are with your suppliers and the the various technologies you have in place um within your architecture but you know the the phishing and then the resultant you know ransomware or malware on the other end of it and then the social engineering attacks that maybe the phishing you know, uh, opens the door for, you know, those are, you know, those are not going away. In fact, I find that they are becoming more sophisticated. You know, the words just not, it's no longer email that are popping up in, you know, social media. Now they're popping up in SMS messages on people's cell phones. Now that are popping up in chat, you know, rooms now. So it's, um, you know, you can tell that, you know, the, the criminal organizations do their homework. They know who's employed and where, and they know, you know what your companies are doing and who your partners are, and and the, you know, sometimes they they target you and emulate you to attack your partners. Sometimes they just target you and pretend they're one of your suppliers. It's um, you know I definitely don't see it going away. I do see it becoming sophisticated. I do start you start seeing a lot of these really sophisticated fakes. You know which which I you know from a security you know professional I find fascinating. But at the same time, you know, it also scares the crap out of you because you got to protect your company. And, you know, um, so, yeah, it's something that I do not believe is going away anytime soon. I just yeah, think I, it's, I just think it's becoming, you know, better, more sophisticated, um, you know, and just the breadth of it. And it's just not impacting certain sectors anymore. It's, you know, it's across all of them. I would completely agree with that. I mean, just the other day, I, I received an SMS text from, you know, somebody is essentially impersonating a, a large Wall Street bank customer service saying to call them. 
and I did knowing probably that it was a, you know, some sort of, um, fishing attempt or, or whatnot. And, you know, it was a pretty well thought out ruse that I could imagine consumers really being kind of duped into that. So, um, you know, and I think the whole, di- the digital transformation that everyone speaks through that the pandemic accelerated a, a lot of traditional financial services, companies took things online, whether it was things like applications or insurance, et cetera. And so now you have all of these banking and financial systems that have really revolutionized accessing data for the consumer um, and making it easier. But doing that really opened the door to some significant cyber risk. So in your time at SoftBank, are there things maybe that, whether it's at SoftBank or that you've seen, about really harnessing that remote connectivity, um, but also being able to protect a lot of the data to really mitigate some of those threats as well? Well, I mean, I think, you know, across the board, we saw as we were in the, as we were in the pandemic, you know, more companies, you know, escalated their, you know, their, their, their digitized revolution per se of, you know, Hey, we've got to go to cloud and, you know, and we found that there were a you know, ton of people that were, you know, all of a sudden they have 100,000 employees that are having to work remote. And how are we going to protect those endpoints and protect the data that they're accessing? And so, I mean, there was a lot of companies that were, that were scrambling to do that, to stay in business, to take care of their employees, you know, to protect their information. And like you said, you know, um, there are organizations that move from being almost fully on-prem to now being hybrid or now being, you know, full 100% cloud. And it brings up, um, it does bring up questions of, you know, how are you, you've gone ahead and, you know, you're now doing all of these different cloud services and you're offering, you know, all these, you know, these different apps and, you know, uh, to your, uh, your customers. But on the back end, did you do everything that you should have done? You know, did you have the time? Did you, you know, to be able to do all the planning and stuff like that? Because, you know, you were jumping through hoops so quickly. Because the you know the pandemic necessitated you know many organizations to move at at light speed, um, you know I find that you know here at SoftBank we're 100 percent cloud. You know I have nothing on prem. You know I have no data centers. I have no you know um, we're you know SaaS apps you know predominantly and then endpoint security. You know it's uh, it's simplified. But the biggest things that you know um, that I when I talk with peers and then. And many of us, you know, discuss these types of, you know, full cloud architectures. It's different, but it's not. The risk is still there. You know, cyber is cyber. You know, you still have to go ahead and do frameworks and policy. You still have to manage data. You still have to manage authentication. Um, it's just there's some things that you no longer have to worry about now because third parties manage it for you. And even if third parties are managing it for you, you know, you now have to get involved with, what are the SLAs and the contracts? What type of data do they have access to? How quick can I get that data back? How is that data protected? How do I manage access and authentication for that data? You know, it um, again, you know, the there's still security. It's just the flavor changes. You know, because you've uh, you've you've now done you know done that um, that digitized revolution per se, and you you're bringing out all of these um, these different technologies for your customers to make it easier for them to use. And at the same time, you're making it more remote for your and own employees to be able to still be productive, but you still have to protect that information. You still have to protect the organization. Um, 
It's just the security stacks are different. And your approach will be different as well because you now have third party. You now have um, you know, partners that who are you kind of spreading the risk, and you've got partners now that are doing, you know, key parts of your stack and key parts of your processes for you. And again, it opens up, you know, from a security perspective, you've reduced risk in one area, but now you're accepting risk in another. You know, and your procedures now have to change. You know, it's um so it's one of those things that I just look at it as being a continuing, you know, continuing process that you have to adjust and you've got to be comfortable with it. You've got to be comfortable with the fact that, uh, yeah, you don't own all of your data. You can't hug it and hold it close to you. You know, you don't have data centers anymore. You don't have the, you know, the physical infrastructure anymore and that's okay. Yeah. It just makes things a little bit more complex and being able to kind of pivot and adjust to that. So um, kind of relative to that, knowing that, you know, it is sort of this constant back and forth, if you will. One of the things that's been facing the cybersecurity industry, even before the pandemic, frankly, was just having a shortage of qualified professionals in the space. Um, I think there's 3.5 million globally. Um, there's 60,000 job openings here in California alone for for cyber jobs. Um, and now, obviously, with labor, labor shortages still, supply, supply chain issues still, um, it's, it's not easy. And so, um, can you speak to maybe through your career, um, you know, both with the Navy, the city working in financial and tech really kind of speak through how difficult it has been to find cybersecurity workers. And then on the flip side, how can employers really start to think across other industries, maybe to, to cast a wider net and where should they focus? Yeah. <laughs> You no, know, it's a tricky one. Oh yeah, if if I had to answer that question, um, the uh, I mean, because everybody is looking for talent, you know, and and it's interesting too because even right now, in the the downturn per se that we're in right now, where companies are laying off, you know, you lay off, you know, uh, you know, part of your cyber team, or you lay off, you know, some of your security personnel, and boom, they have a job very very quickly, you know, because uh, people are snapping up talent. You know, and one of the hardest parts, you know, dealing in, in the, the cyber industry is where you have people graduating college. Hey, I've got a degree or, you know, I just, you know, finished these certs, but you don't have any experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the misnomers I really think about the, the industry is we're not telling people that, you know, hey, we don't need somebody with cyber education. We need somebody with cyber experience is what we need. You know, and that's the that's the shortage of of what they're looking for is the shortage of, you know, security professionals that have experience, you know, um, who've been in, you know, a couple of different jobs, you know, who've got, you know, years of experience, or even if it's just a year of experience, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, uh, and I, I do, I mean, I, I talk with a lot of my peers and everybody talks back and forth about, you know, Hey, we know so-and-so team is being shut down or so-and-so is leaving these teams. And, you know, we, and we try to help a lot of professionals um, in our community. And one of the things that, um, and this whole thing's been kicked around as to how do we go ahead and find qualified people? And, you know, one of the biggest things that I've been talking to like our HR team about is that, you know, hey, we put together a job description based on what we currently need. But understand, you may only find people that can do 60 to 70% of all of the different things that you list on that. You know, are you okay with that? I was going to ask you, so yeah. would you be okay with that? You know, if someone yeah, pops I mean, up you know, that has three-fourths, okay. Yeah, because, I mean, what, what, you know, and I explained to HR, I said, you know, here's the whole list of things that we're looking for. 
here's the five core ones that I really need. You know, if I can get somebody with these, they can learn the rest of these. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm okay with that. You know, and that's one of the things that we are talking about now is be okay with 70%. You know, and then another thing is we're, we're starting to talk about is internships. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of internship programs now, especially for vets that are, that are transitioning where you can get them to work with you for a year as they transition before they come fully out, you know, available onto the market. Even if you don't hire them at the end of that year, you still you know, get the benefit of their work and they get the benefit of the experience, you know, that they're able to put on their resume and, and then being a part of the community and being able to meet people, you know, within um, the cyber community before they, they get fully, you know, uh, let go and, and into private industry. Um, I think, you know, I think it's very big right now for companies to, you know, take a look at the fact that, you know, cyber is a very wide range of skill sets and people come into the cyber community from a lot of different areas. It's no longer just like IT or network engineering or something. You get people coming in from audit and you get people coming in from accounting and you get people coming in from the education field. It's, you know, it is a big mixture of um, very different, you know, skill sets, very different um you know, uh, different types of, you know, companies and, and sectors that people are coming in from because they're interested in security. They understand that it's a, it's a job field that's going to be around for, I don't see it ending in time in the foreseeable future. I think it's going to change. The experience and the skills will be required will change over time as well. But it's something that's, to me, is stable. You can take it with you anywhere, you know, and work, you know, with those skills anywhere. And I think that's why it's attractive. You know, it's just trying to go ahead and help those people who were just beginning to get their foot in the door, to be able to get started. And I think, you know, if companies are willing to go ahead and not try to get the 100% unicorn list, but are willing to do the 60, 70%, willing to identify the core, the core things that they need and the rest of it, we can go ahead and, and do without or we can work on over time. Why not? You know, why not go ahead and do that? You know, I'm, I'd be more than happy to take somebody who can help me with some of the core problems that I need to solve, and then everything else we can work on it together. I mean, great insight and points all around there on that one. So I, I want to pivot a little bit and talk more like outlook, if you will, in terms of some of the challenges that are going on in financial services as a whole. Um, what, have, what are you seeing really right now and maybe even into the future and as some of really the top cybersecurity challenges? I know we talked about sort of ransomware phishing attacks, you know, I'm seeing a lot of just sort of broader sort of crypto and blockchain network attacks where people lose, you know, access to their wallets, et cetera. Are there things maybe that we're not thinking about um, that you see on the horizon um, when it comes to this sector? Um, And frankly, how do you, how do you, or how can the industry kind of help thwart that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, for me, I think, you know, some of the biggest things is that um, even though we're an industry that's, you know, uniquely different than other industries, you know, I think we all have some common threats that we're going to be facing, you know, and one of the biggest ones I do think is, I think these supply chain attacks are still going to happen. You know, the, I think these attacks against vendors of, of critical, you know, infrastructure and critical software technology that we use that are core for us being able to do a business internally are going to happen and it's I don't see it ending anytime soon you know um, so these are things that you're continually going to have to try to manage 
of who you're partnered with, how secure are they to, to manage your risk. Um, I think, you know, um, one of the biggest issues, you know, we're going to be dealing with, especially in the financial industry side is, is regulatory. Mm-hmm. Is that, um, we're already seeing for like cyber insurance, you know, my, um, when we renewed with cyber insurance, our questionnaire went from three pages to 30 pages, you know, and that 30 pages was in depth. They were asking what type of technologies we were using and who the vendors were and stuff like that. I mean, they wanted to know, you know, what was in our stack and how we were built. And I could see that even becoming more in depth where you have to go ahead and provide a, your latest pen test or your latest SOC 2 report. It would not surprise me that, you know, no, so they, no. and so these are, they're not so much threats, but they're, there are things that I see the the technology threats that we're dealing with are there, but it's the third party threats dealing with our vendors and our partners. I think are going to continue and escalate, um, and then the regulatory you know stuff we're going to go ahead and see continue. I definitely think um, governments are getting more involved. They understand the cyber risk that small businesses and medium and large businesses have, and I think they're going to get more involved and make you prove that you're actually managing cyber. That it's not a one-off. I'm going to throw some money to the guy, mm-hmm. over, you know, the 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 man or the woman over here in the corner, who's you know the executive in charge of security. But they go do their thing, and then I don't have to give them anything anymore because we're perfect. You know, uh, I think companies are coming around to the fact that you know cyber, honestly, is just a it's just a a regular business operation for running a company. You know, it's a uh, it's an internal. You know, obviously, it's it's internal. Um, and it cuts across all departments. It cuts across all, you know, um, you know, services and things that the company is doing. And they're just going to have to go ahead and accept that it's just part of today. If you're connected to the internet, if you're operating uh, internationally, especially, you're going to have to take cyber into account. You know, and not only that, those cyber executives like myself who are working inside businesses, we have to accept that we're business executives now. We're partners now. We have to look at how we work with the business and how we impact them and how we help them succeed. You know, it's, um, yeah, I think it goes both ways. Great points. Uh, it related to cyber insurance, I'm not even sure if insurance companies, you mentioned sort of the, the application, if you will, massively uh, increasing, but I'm not even sure if cyber insurance is viable for insurance companies in the future, just given the proliferation of, of attacks, et cetera, as well. So, um, you know, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Um, well, great, Gary, appreciate the time here. So we're going to ask for one parting shot here, if you will, you know, through your years in the trenches, um, if there's a particular insight that you've learned from really serving, um, in this space that could really help our listeners really navigate cyber threats, um, what would it be? You know, it's more of a soft skill than anything else. And I think it's, I think the biggest thing is do not get overwhelmed. You know, you know, take your issues, break them down into small pieces, help you and your teams focus on those issues, and don't forget you're part of a community. And what I mean by that is that um, the cyber community is, is extremely large, but it's also like a small family. Many of us talk to each other, we help each other, we know each other. You know, and what I would say, those, um, those executives that are leading teams, that are leading security programs, get involved in the community, and definitely mentor and help each other, you know, because we all are actually dealing with a lot of the same problems, just at scale. And it's always good to be able to have a second or third, you know, opinion, you know, on issues because we don't know everything. 
but that's why you have a community to go ahead and help us get better. I love that. And collaboration is so important and, and co-sign on that one too. So, um, well, Gary, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for, for sharing a lot of your insight and experience here. Um, and for our listeners out there, thank you again, and be sure to check out the CCOE website at sdccoe.org for more resources related to these awesome episodes. Um, until then, Gary, appreciate the time. Thank you again.